0: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Post-Military Podcast. If you're new here, welcome, and thanks for stopping by. This podcast focuses on giving people advice and stories on how to successfully transition from one chapter of their life to another. Specifically, right now, we focus on transitioning out of the military and into the civilian world. My guest today is Jay Giametta. Jay has served in Air Force cyber warfare and communications for a very long time specifically focusing on the defense of different air assets. Today, we talk about his time in the Air Force and his transition out of the Air Force and his advice that he would give to people who are going to be soon following in his footsteps. As always, thank you so much for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy the episode.
1: I solemnly swear, Do solemnly swear that
0: I, defend, that I will
2: support and defend the
1: Constitution of the United States. The Constitution of the United States.
0: Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Post-Military Podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Billy, and today I am joined by uh, a friend and actually my first ever real boss in the military, <laughs> uh, Jay Giametta. Jay, thanks so much for coming on.
2: Oh, you're welcome, man. Glad to be here.
1: Well,
0: Yeah he's uh he's out of oklahoma and i think in the entire time that i've known him he has never left so uh if anything hit him up if you want to learn how to stay in one base for a very 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 long time
2: hey i managed to hit three over my
0: 20 years (laughs) so jay let's uh let's dive right into uh tell uh tell everybody out there a little bit about yourself uh and uh Break down, break down your military career for us. Sure.
2: So, uh, as Billy said, I'm JJ Ameta. I've been in the Air Force, uh, or I was in the Air Force. It's so weird. I just caught myself doing it. I've been in the Air Force, because I've been saying it for so long. Um, I was in the Air Force for 20 years. So I spent the first eight of that enlisted. So I was at Keesler Air Force Base. I was a com operator back in the day. Uh, so really, what that meant was working helped us support tickets and helping thing- people with. Desktop support, worked my way into like email support, exchange admin. I did a little bit of like Windows domain admin work. And then uh, eventually got to do some really fun stuff, uh, stuff that would kind of come in later on in my career, working on um, firewalls and routers, starting to set up uh, like boundary protection. That's what we called it back then, the boundary protection office. Um, And then from there, uh, hit a decision point. I was like at my six year mark, and it's like, do I get out? Do I keep going? And uh, at the time we were still doing the, they called it the Airman's Education Commissioning Program or bootstrap, uh, where the deal was I could go to school and I would get, stay on active duty and my job would be school for the next three years. So that was really an opportunity I couldn't pass out. So spent three years doing that, uh, came out of that with a computer science degree and then ended up. Back into uh, the cyber world and come at Keysail Air Force Base. I mean, you spent time down there at UCT. Yep, um, sure did. <laughs> so from there, I ended up just moving right across the base to Engineering Installation, which was probably the most fun I had in my entire career in the Air Force. That job was amazing.
0: And what what did what did you do while you were at? Uh, I mean, I know what E and I is, uh, but for everyone out there, what what were you doing? Because it's a very non traditional cyber kind of role
2: it is so so but my job really only mattered uh during deployments uh where we went and we would uh hop around whatever bait or whatever location you were deployed to and we would follow people like the cbs around who were doing and installing new buildings and we would follow it up and install communications Uh, and, and when i say install communications that could mean antennas outside for your radios it could mean inside plant and fiber Copper, or even installing manhole duct systems outside. So there was just a wider range of different things you could do. Even install like radars. Um, but I mean, as you can imagine, with all those different things that you can go out in engineering and, and install, um, you got to get your practice in. So the way we got our practice in was stateside. So my day-to-day job stateside was just to take TDYs to horrible places like Ramstein or Hickam or Aviano. I yeah. Mean, I, you're yeah struggling. i spent a couple of years just bouncing around a lot of you safety and, and, and pack half doing practice installs for, for going out
0: for the real thing i love that okay so you finish up at E, you finish up on IE, you're absolutely suffering your way through uh trips to the beach in europe uh what uh what yes. happens after after your time at keesler
2: uh so then i i mean by that time I, i'm i know i'm gonna be career at this point like i, I i'm I'm hitting my like 11, 12 year mark. Yeah, it was like, all right, so so what's next? How am I gonna finish out uh, this Air Force career? And uh, I decided I wanna go be uh, a professor of computer science at the Air Force Academy. Uh, so I again, something you're quite familiar with. Um, so I interviewed for a role out there, got picked up for it. And with that came uh, some training out at AFIT, the Air Force Institute of Technology. So I uh, went to my other two years uh, of school. So now we're up to five years of my 20. We're spent in the classroom. Um, hit a big surprise out there at AFIT though, man. Like, <laughs> I don't know. You, you hear a service school and, and the expectations aren't quite that that high sometimes. And then you get there and you're like, holy crap, this is legit. Like, this is a real research institution. Better buckle up. And so that kind of hit me, um, and got deep into the computer science out there. Um, really loved the job, uh, learned a lot about machine learning, uh, that, that was really my big focus was in like signals processing, machine learning, that kind of stuff. Um, so I was like, yeah, I just spent all this time buckled down into the computer science. I'm ready to go teach it. And then, um, Air Force said, no, we're going to do an intervening ops tour instead. And that's how I ended up at Tinker uh, with, with the AWACS, where we worked together,
0: uh, was that intervening ops tour. And so what is, so is intervening ops, is that where they basically, like, did they t- just kind of like stiff arm you away from your teaching gig and was like, psych, you're not doing that? Or that, is that something that you chose to do? Did you have a choice or was it just kind of like thrust upon you?
2: It was like a stiff arm. So we were expecting oh, to go to Colorado wow. Springs and basically what yeah. happened was they had too many professors out there at the time. So they were trying to stagger the pipeline so that they had good enough coverage so they were like you're gonna go take a three-year assignment i've been here a lot longer than three years but uh yeah you'll go do a three-year assignment and then you'll follow on and it'll work that way wow
0: okay um so going into what i guess before we continue on for your time for your time at uh in oklahoma What was it like? So at this point, you've really like context switched multiple times. You've gone from your uh, your enlisted, now you're an officer. I guess enlisted, now you're a student, then you're an officer. uh, And then you went from um, I'm building stuff to back to being a student. And now I'm ready to be an instructor, psych. And I'm going to go lead and inspire airmen out out in um, Oklahoma. So, how was how were those like transitionary moments for you within the military? And do you think you handled them well? Um, like, what what did that do for you as you were kind of going through your career?
2: Uh so also, there's always been like a common theme throughout my career, and, and it's one of the things. I mean, you know, as you start to, to interview with Amazon, uh, you you start to piece together. What's the theme throughout my career? Like, what's my story? How how do I present myself? And and so when I started to look back uh, at the different roles that I've had, it's been, I've been a builder the entire time, which is also like another thing that led me to Amazon um, was, was that's where I get my enjoyment. So even as an airman, the thing that really got me and the thing that I enjoyed doing back then was, oh, we have a problem that we've never solved before. I'm going to build a process to go after, to go out and do that. And and then to make it repeatable. And so when you're an airman, the the, the, pro, the focus is that hands-on, hands-on keyboard, like I said, like uh big thing, like the routers, the firewalls, like building things out by hand. Now that, that switched a little bit as I moved on into the, the officer side, because now I'm not just building software, computers or whatever, now I'm building teams. And, and it, but it's still, it's building. And so E and I worked really well for me for for wanting to do stuff like that. And then the same on the software side. So so as we're moving through this, there's been that switch where, yeah, I'm doing it in different ways, but I'm still just building. And then obviously, you know, I built a lot in that coming role that we're about to talk about. That that was one of the key factors there was how do you build this new thing out?
0: Yeah. The I I guess the before we before we go into what you created while you were in Oklahoma. How did you emotionally handle that kind of final contact switch of you thought you were going to go teach, now you're not? Like, was that was that hard for you to handle, or was that something that kind of just I'm in the Air Force, so changes of plans kind of go with, go with the scenery?
2: Us, uh, so I was I was bitter for a little bit there, but and again, you think you're going to this cool place? I mean, you're going to the Air Force Academy, you're going to and like I had been gearing myself up for like almost three years. Like, I'm going to teach. And and so I was just prepared. And then to have that switch, I mean, it's something we do have to get used to uh, in the military is, all right, planes change. The military needs you to do something else. They're right if you're upset about it, but uh, let's get over it and get going. And and so that's kind of what my thought process was going into Tinker. And then it was an oh crap moment because my first role at Tinker was a, a flight commander type role. So that was the first time I had been a leader of other leaders. And so that was something to start to prepare for.
0: I definitely think that one thing that you did really well when I, when I met you was like, you would have never known that you had just kind of gotten gypped out of this cool teaching opportunity because you were very, you were so incredibly invested in the airmen and uh, the lieutenants that were underneath you. So I definitely think one lesson people can pull from you in this case is like If you're going to be in the leadership position and things don't go as planned, like you need to take it in stride and not let the emotions of that moment affect the people around. So, uh, which I think is, which I think is awesome. Yes. So.
2: And thank you. I I appreciate that. But that's, you said on a big part, like when you make that switch into the officer side or not just officer side. I mean, if we're talking now, we're talking about people transitioning. When you take that step into people management, it's no longer about you. It's it's about taking care of the people. Like it's a big difference in mentality. So, yeah. So
0: you get to so you get to Oklahoma. They put you in as a flight commander role. So you're a leader. You're you're essentially a second level. You're a skip level supervisor for a couple of man, a couple of first line supervisors, and a bunch of people. I think like what? How many people was it like? Like
2: nine, eight? Like it was a lot. So that was that, so. So in my first role, I was doing uh, the software development side. Uh, And so they were about 45 and and some of those, that was, it was a big adjustment to me because I had these really young airmen, but then I also also had these really experienced civilians uh, that had far more professional experience than I did. And so trying to work the the difference there, not just how they got along with one another, uh, but then how do I go and lead these civilians who have, Seen so much more than what I've done, and they have so much more expertise in this in this realm. Uh, that was a challenge to figure out. It was super intimidating.
0: I can I believe it. And so once you finished, uh, once you finish your time in that software development, what what happens next for you? When uh, for the rest of you, because I leave, I go I go elsewhere back to teach at the schoolhouse. What is what happens to you for your rest of your time in Oklahoma?
2: So ended up doing a deployment and I come back from the deployment and um, this is another one of those those situations that we were just talking about. I come back and I'm supposed to be leading uh, another part of the organization, kind of similar to what I was just talking about, but it was like a hundred people at the time. And, and again, if we're talking people management, a lot of people get wrapped up in the numbers like oh I, I, I'm going from leading forty to 100, like I'm progressing and, and so that's what's going on in my head is like yeah, I'm doing the right things, like like this is more responsibility. And then our commander at the time pulls me aside and says, Jay, I know this is where you're supposed to be going, but you're going to stand up this new team that we're trying to stand up. And it's going to have like seven people to start with. Uh, and and in my mind, I'm like, what is this guy doing to me? Like he just tanked my career. And how horrible is this? And looking back at it, it was such a like a defining moment of my career. And like even just prepping me for the outside and where I've landed now, if I hadn't had that role, I should like I would have been completely screwed. Like, so it was such a huge opportunity for me that I didn't see at the time because i was so caught up in, in just that managing more people growing that way and, and just not in the right headspace, space, I guess.
0: And so what was that role? Like, I, I think I, I don't want to I really don't want to skip over for people like how in, how big of a deal what you did was in, in terms of like cyberspace in the Air Force, because it's a it's it's kind of a big deal
2: yeah so they, yeah so we're we're talking about the the e three Airborne warning and control system aircraft, so uh think a big jet with a, a radar on top and a data center on the inside, and with lots of connections coming out of it, and um what the air Force decided they needed to do, and i'm glad they did uh was they needed to figure out how to defend um a network like that in cyberspace. And it's not something that had ever been done before. Defend Like cyber defenders had never been attached inside of an aircraft before. And um, that was what was given to me. Hey, we've never done this before. Your people aren't trained. Um, Put together a team and and put together the training pipeline, engineer the solution as far as hardware and software go. And and then um, go out and exercise it, make sure it works. And then we're going to put it into effect. And so that was a, a huge challenge. It took us about three years to really get everything stood up because I mean, when you think about it, like there was data engineering involved with this. there was a uh, team management and team building because I had to figure out what the positions looked like before I could hire for them. Um, and then even after I had the people in place, had them trained on the right procedures with the right equipment, I still had to prove that we were capable of doing the job before we were ever authorized to do it. So. Uh, so we had to uh, get cleared by cybersecurity to do cybersecurity on uh, the risk management side. So there were some uh, challenges, which is proof of concept there. But uh, th- what was really cool is like the month before I retired, um, I moved on to a smaller job after this, and I can talk about it a little bit afterwards, but to kind of round out that MDT story or the mission defense team, it was another name that we used for this. Um, those guys actually made it onto an aircraft and did live cyber operations with the the yeah the capability that we built out like a month before I I finally got out of the air force so it was cool to see that sweet kind of all come the way the through day. yeah
0: yeah which is so rare and uh if you're out there listening and you're an officer really I mean you can have a much longer lifespan in a unit as an enlisted individual but as an officer we rotate pretty regularly it's pretty it's very impressive when you're able to stand up and see the conclusion of a project that you have really piggybacked. And also the one context that I'll give for everyone listening to this MDT thing, this was an initiative that the Air Force wanted done Air Force-wide for every single aircraft that existed in the inventory. And so there, there was no guidance for anyone on how to do this. So it really had to no one was telling him how to do anything from up top they just said it needs to get done um and so he really set the tone for how all of this needed to be developed at our base at uh, in Oklahoma and so you were operating in 100% ambiguity which is very rare in uh in uh in the military okay so you uh if you want to touch on it what was the last thing last last thing that you did when you were uh, when you were in the military before
2: you sure and i think this is going to be an excellent point part to start talking about prepping for transition uh so the reason i ended up in my next position um i ended up getting an offer to go be a director of operations which is a big deal in the air force you're like all right i'm promoting it like it's the next next step um and uh the offer was to go up to fort belvoir uh in dc virginia area and um Thought about it a little bit, family decided they weren't interested. Uh, and I was close enough to retirement at the time that I went ahead and punched the button. And, and I knew that I really, at that time, I was like on an 18 month timer. So that was when, all right, I know I'm getting out of the military now. Um, time to start the transition process uh, and, and start buckling down. So like during that time, uh, um, I thought I was going to be finishing it up in my current assignment in like a, a leadership type role. Uh, with the MBT, uh, but I still, I started doing things like studying one of the big things with IT in, in the Air Force or or I guess really DOD in general, we didn't do a lot of cloud. So I, I knew that I wanted to work in IT uh, coming out and I knew I wanted to do like IT leadership. I was like, how do I make my myself marketable on the outside? And that's when I started to do research. And really it was like, I'm either gonna do cybersecurity because that's what I had been doing. Or if I re- wanna stay on, other pieces of IT, I have to get fluent in the cloud. Um, and so I ended up studying uh, with like AWS cloud practitioner uh, um, and took that route. And then I was like, oh, this is actually really cool. I want to know more. So went down the SA route uh, or solutions architect route and, and started digging into it. And I was like, man, this cloud stuff is really cool. Uh, I started to learn more about Amazon at the time. And like from from the go, like I was like, that's where I want to end up. That's my goal. So like I started to focus, I started to reach out to people on LinkedIn and a lot of the people I started to talk to were like, dude, you would be great for like a technical program manager type role Um, Mm -hmm. or something of that sort where you're involved with the software development. You're also involved with program management. And so as we start talking about what a, a TPM looks like, I start figuring out how do I continue to prepare? So went through the PMP certification process, studied that curriculum uh program management uh, or project management professional. Uh, but then I was like, how did I get to the software development side? And, and I found out that there was actually uh, an organization here across Tinker that does uh, software development for airfield operations community. It's um, called the Air Force Flight Standards Agency. And I worked out a trade where I was like, hey, I'll come work for you guys for, um, at this time, I think it was like 12 months. Um, if you want to fill your officer position and, and cleared it, uh, with my bosses over in my old unit, and they all blessed it. So I got to go over there and get hands on it and do some writing code, getting back into the software to get myself technically prepared for the outside. Um, and and that's how I ended up leaving the Air Force. I did 12 months of, like, no crap, like, coding in .NET, uh, re-architecting some web solutions that were hosted in AWS to kind of prep for, yeah, making that transition.
0: Okay, so... I want to. I I want to dive more. I want to dive more into this transition. Um, so, you knew family was not ready to go. They weren't. They weren't up to going to DC, which totally understand. Um, and so you decide to stay eighteen months. And so for those first six months, where you were really just kind of like fact finding, uh, you said that you. See the cloud certified practitioner. So you were getting learned up on AWS. You said that you were reaching out to people on LinkedIn. Um, What, what was that like for you? Like doing all of those things and how long did it take you to kind of crystallize your plan of action where you ended up jumping over to the software, uh, that software community or the software unit?
2: I say I'd say that was uh, from the time I knew I was getting out until I really kind of had focused in on what I thought I wanted to do. Uh, and spoiler, I'm not a GPM. Uh, <laughs> uh, that took about four to six months, I would say, of uh, just getting getting my toe dipped into the training piece because I knew I needed to constantly be trading, so that was a given. Uh, but then on the people side, like I I had used LinkedIn, but I hadn't really like really used it and and started to build that network and i mean that's a challenge at first to get the the presence done correctly to start getting your resume done well to even out there um, that was a lot of focus and and then yeah the the process on, on kind of zeroing in on what i thought i wanted to do was um like i said i thought the training kind of steered me like 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 i said i was enjoying the cloud stuff and i was like well i want to learn more about amazon and so I started looking, uh, using LinkedIn, I'd search Amazon for people. And then um, I would look up like the different kind of roles that I that I was interested in. Like, well, I'm learning more about program management right now. Let's see if we can find program managers at Amazon that have been in the military before. Uh, it, or, or find like people I was connected to. Uh, some of it was just going, hey, who else has been in the Air Force or DoD? Let's let's bro network this up. And, and it would just reach out with a, like a message saying, hey, do you have time to talk?
0: Did, uh... At that that beginning stages when you had to kind of come up with your LinkedIn strategy, figure everything out, do you feel like having to deal with the ambiguity that you dealt with in the military prepared you for that? Or was this a challenge that you, like, was this something that was completely new because it was separated? Like, it's like this thing.
2: No, I think, I, I think you hit it with the first point. Like, we're used to, like, you get tasked with something, you you make a plan and you go execute. And that was That was kind of how I treated this. It was like, I'm going to, I'm going to fact find. And then based on the facts, I'm going to go ahead and make a plan and I'm just going to execute And I want to have something in place rather than uh, just kind of struggling with it. So yeah, that 100% from the like mission planning and military point of view.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. Okay, good. The, um, if, so once you kind of have this, you've identified like, Hey, this is what I want to do. I think I'm skilling myself up. I'm talking to people on LinkedIn. I'm digging down. Once you transition to software development role for your last 12 months in the Air Force, um, what continued in terms of like, what did you continue to do for your transition while you were in that development role?
2: So continued studying. Um, so again, more like one, I don't think most people can't really go wrong with like the agile. Uh, like, like agile pro- or project management is so useful in almost everything you do. Like, so that was another area where I started to study. i was actually, I was acting more like a scrum master in, in, in that role. So got some practice with that. Uh got some practice, some of the, uh, common like, uh, agile tool sets, like, like JIRA. Um, so I was wor- working on that piece and then there's that other piece of the, the TPM role where, They expect you to be able to do, like, system design and and re-architecture. First, I had to prove to my bosses that I could even code. So I had to dust off some of the computer science from my background and and put my head down and actually learn uh, and prove to these guys, yeah, I can write code and I can help you architect your system in a better way. Let's start looking at how we can better design this. And um, I was just, I mean, it was a little selfish, but I knew that I was on my way out. Like I was looking for opportunities to prove that I could design because I knew it was going to come up as I was getting out. So I was like, all right, well, maybe this needs to be redesigned here. Can I have that opportunity with my boss? And it was a matter of building up that trust to allow, or to get them to allow me to do it.
0: So something that, uh, something that you said there that I really want to tackle is like, you knew, you say selfish. And I I think that that's something that's really interesting for people in the military. Like. I, I had the last year of my life to prepare or of my life in the military to prepare because I was going through some medical stuff. You really had this amazing opportunity to be an individual contributor in your last year, um, where it was really focused on you getting ready to rock outside of the military. Um, how did you do? Cause I mean, even if you're saying like it's selfish, so like, I'm sure that there was some, there's obviously was some, going on in your head of like maybe i shouldn't be doing this like this is like me selfishly taking time away from the air force how did you deal with that like did you have issues working through that like selfishness almost and what advice would you give to someone who's about to transition who might say i should be preparing for my transition but i don't want to let down the people that are in my unit or in my shop or whatever
2: so I think it was really just looking for places where those interests align. Uh, and, and, and I mentioned that earlier. So yeah, I mean, maybe it wasn't super selfish of me, but I did know that, like I said, I needed to be doing the system design stuff. I needed to be looking for opportunities to grow things. So that was where my focus was, in addition to the coding that I was doing as part of my job, as part of the agreement of being over there. Um, and And it was talking to my boss to find out like, hey, where are you guys trying to go next? so that I could find where those things aligned and then convincing my boss, Hey, this is in your best interest. It's in my best interest. Why don't you let me do this? So I I wouldn't say selfish in a way where I was just doing it for myself because you're still, I mean, you're still doing a job. Uh, So it was finding just a way to get those things, those interests aligned. Uh, It was the key there. So
0: for, so you had 18 months to kind of prep for your transition where you were getting ready to go do you think that that was enough time do you did you feel prepared by the time that you exited um or do you think that you could have done more within that time to prepare you more for your transition
2: i was overly prepared for the role that i'm in um okay to the point and and we will get because i know um we'll probably end up talking about like some of the challenges of being yeah military in a new role um To the point where it kind of bit me. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I can go ahead and start going that way because, like, I mean, we're really well, to the point before <laughs> we before we go
0: into before we go into your Amazon time. Um, I j- I really want to. There's a couple more things I want to cover, for, okay, cover okay. for this. Yeah, uh, just because. Uh, so, do you think? I guess. I guess knowing what you know now. I guess what do you then I guess a better way to say it is what do you think you did in your transition that like we'll get into the dark side of being overly prepared because I actually I had something similar happen in my job. But what (laughs) do you think you did really, really well that set you up for success in your transition that you would tell someone like this is the thing that I did that you should do if you want to successfully transition out
2: oh, I'm scared of this one because I feel like it's something that went really, really well for me. But I mean, I don't know. I'd love your opinion on it because I feel like it could also really, really backfire on somebody. And that was, I keep saying it. I put all of my eggs in one basket with Amazon. Like literally, it was like, that's who I'm focusing on. That's where I want to go. So I spent a lot of time learning their LPs or their their leadership principles. So for those of you guys who aren't interested or, or aren't aware, uh, Amazon has a set of leadership principles that we really follow like day-to-day on, on and it guides us on how to do our job. So that was one of the ways uh, I started preparing was looking at those leadership principles and then tying them to things I had done throughout my career to go. Yeah. Like I have, like this is an example uh, of how I've lived this leadership principle throughout my career. And I spent a lot of time putting that, that story that I was telling you about earlier. I feel like that's, that's where I spent a lot of my time preparing. And I feel like that it paid off a ton because when you get that story put together in the right way, when you're pulling the right pieces of your career, together, it sounds great. Yeah. It just, mm-hmm.
0: yeah, you can sell people on it. Yeah. it it
2: makes the interviews go so much smoother. So I would say that's the biggest thing for my preparation was getting that story put together and targeted for where I wanted to go.
0: And I think that that's, I think that's great advice. Like, I don't think that that, I don't think that anything about that is uh negative in any way. And for everyone who's listening, if you haven't, transitioned yet or you have and you're looking for a new job um, one way that I'll round out Jay's advice is you really need to dedicate yourself to diving into the process of transitioning Uh, so if you're getting out you need to understand the process because no one's going to drive the transition process forward like you're going to drive your own transition process forward Um, and it really stinks because like you feel like you're almost at the end but the only people that are actually going to pour energy into this final step of your military career is going to be you because if you just are like i'm done i don't need this anymore um no one's going to help you like it's just another tuesday for them this might it might be the last day of your military career for you so really dedicate yourself to the study and the research um which is what jay did and like he said like maybe he was overprepared, but If you walk into that interview and you have taken the time to research the position, you understand what kind of company you're going into, you understand the role, um, all of that information informed Jay so that he could say, hi, my name is Jay, and this is why I'm exactly perfect for the thing that you need me to be perfect for. And that is such a powerful thing to bring into an interview because if you can just tell your story in a way that makes you sound like you're God's gift to technical program management or whatever it is, then your interviews, your interviews are going to be like, we've got to hire this person because they they know all of our stuff. They know exactly what the role is. They know how they fit within the role. Like it's, it's really amazing and it's a very powerful thing to bring in. So um, dedicate your time to doing the research and doing the learning, whether it's reading job recs, talking to people in the role or whatever I don't think you can really be too prepared in terms of understanding what you're walking into so that's the piece that I think is is really important um so you you interview so you do all this prep you interview uh did you do did you interview for a TPM role like is that is that how that uh is that how that happened or what's the What's yes. the uh, what's the next step here?
2: And, and before we even jump into that, I want to hit on one thing because it's something I wasn't super aware of. And so we're talking right now, eight months before my separation date um, is when I started interviewing. And oh, I know- no. That, Oh no. Yeah, so okay. people, people are Sorry. like, oh wait, you're too far <laughs> yeah, no out. People knows. aren't going to be interested. And, and so like, I've actually seen some, some of the, the folks out there on LinkedIn go, you're wasting people's time if you're interviewing this far out. But some of the <laughs> advice that I got from the Amazonians that I talked to, we're like, dude, if they want you, they'll wait for you, period. Like, if you impress them during, during these, they'll wait for you. And I actually talked to my boss or talked to my boss about this over dinner like two nights ago and he's like, yeah, they waited for me for like six months. So it's, it's not uncommon, uh, people just don't know it. My, rec- my advice
0: to people would be feel that out. Um, generally understand if the company can afford to wait for you. Uh, if you wanna move fast and work for like a startup, they probably don't have time to wait for you. Bigger companies like Amazon, they they just might, but definitely feel that out before you check. So that's that's the only caveat that I put with that. So you interview eight months out for a TPM role.
2: Yes, okay. yes, yes. And and your reaction is the same reaction I got from a lot of people. They're like, you're crazy. Like, what are you doing? But and so that's at the time, all I could remember was like, I just need to feel like I've got something lined up. Like I'm almost. I'm almost eight months out and I don't wanna just end it and, and not know where I'm going. And, and, and I know that's a lot of pressure that, that everybody feels at this point. And, and some people can get ahead of themselves. So exactly what you just said, knowing the company that you're, you're interviewing with is a big deal here. And, and, and so this was actually advice that had come to me from somebody within the company. So I felt good with it and went ahead and, and I made it clear. So as I was talking to the recruiters, like I'm not trying to, to surprise anybody, I, like I'm not available for eight months. And they decided to just go ahead and loop me anyway. So um yeah, I looped for a technical program manager position, so TPM in, in security. And then I also um was looping for uh, a senior customer solutions manager, which is my current role. Um and so I looped for both of them at the same time. So that, that was a cool thing that I didn't even know was possible. So I I actually was interviewing with two different teams at once, one single bar raiser. So here at Amazon, you have a bar raiser to make sure you're better than at least 50% of, of the people that they've hired in the past uh, and, and you meet that that Amazon bar. But um, yeah, so going into those, I, I was doing that with two different teams and I actually got to the point where um, was able to, um, got the opportunity to stay in public sector. So my current position is in public sector with the federal government And a lot of that decision coming out of those interviews was team field. Like I got to interview with uh, an account executive that I work with. I got to interview with my boss and I was just so impressed with them being so down to earth and they seem like chill people and yeah, it just seemed like a great fit. So that's another big part of the interview process. And it's not just about you should making sure you're a good fit for who you're interviewing with. It's the other way too. Like you're going to get a feel for these people and, and you'll, you should know if if you're going to be a good fit for the team or not based on the kind of people you're talking to.
0: I agree. And I think uh, another piece of advice that I would give for people, uh, I think what Jay just said is incredibly important, which is you're really trying, trying out the company, just like the company is trying out you. Um, And if you give yourself enough time to interview, You're not gonna feel pressured to take a job that you might not get a warm, fuzzy feeling from. Like a lot of people, if they don't take the time to research and interview and they give themselves that space to actually do it, you might get a job that you you don't like, but you have to take it because you're like, Oh man, I get out in three weeks and I don't wanna I don't wanna like have a paycheck. So do yourself a favor and start this early enough that you can Actually, feel everything out before you, um, before you like have to make a decision, which I think is something that you did really, really awesome. Um, when you were talking to these, uh, when you're interviewing with these different individuals, did you find it hard to translate your military experience into something that was understandable for people who might have never served?
2: Oh, I started that process super early. Um, And, and so as I start, like, as I was mentioning before, like, um, rewriting my resume, starting to get prepped in for link or prepped up for like, given my, my profile on LinkedIn, as I was doing that research, I started to find, Hey, it's really important to not be like, I was a flight commander. Like I was a, a a director of operations. No, like director of operations might translate a little better, but, but the other one's not so much. I was an NCO in charge, like you have to figure out like what it was you were doing, like how that translates to the outside world so that people understand it. I spent a lot of time, mostly on the resume side. uh, And even before I started, like I said, prepping, prepping, like how I present myself for interviews, uh, trying to help, uh, trying to translate those, those military jobs. And I think it's a lot easier in IT than it is in other places. Like I feel for some of these guys that are coming from a little more unique career fields.
0: Yeah, because at least on our side, we we basically just did the same thing with just a military. It's like we our our king metric was like bombs on target, and now it's revenue yes. or like how much money do we save the customer? <laughs> but but the technology that backs those things are essentially the same, so which is really great for us. But yeah, for everybody who is out there listening who serves, like make sure that you understand that you as a military member make up i think it's like a percentage i think we're like one percent of the total population of America. i think it's like some some really so like most of the people in the world if you go to interview for a job in america probably never heard of the military and they are going to have a very um i don't wanna say biased because that sounds like they don't like you but they have preconceived notions of what the military is uh, and just like you have preconceived notions about what the civilian world is like, and uh, you're going to have to find a way to translate what you did so that they understand you. Otherwise, you're going to say words, and they're going to be like, I I don't know.
2: <laughs> I don't know what you're
0: saying right now. So uh, <laughs> take the time to really gain the empathy to be able to talk to someone who might never have even heard of the military before. Uh-huh. So really think about that before you transition.
2: So, yeah, and I would... Yeah, go ahead.
0: I don't no. Uh, I was just going to say,
2: and, and the people that that would be able to understand that stuff are going to be able to pick out, like, as you've translated your resume, they're going to be able to pick out by looking at your resume and going, I know what they did. Like, like, it, 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 so you don't have to put the words there. Like, No, you really don't. So for, so you
0: interview and you really liked your public sector role as a, as a CSM, customer service manager, right? That the customer S- solutions manager solution. Thank you, customer solutions yep. manager. And do they give you an offer, and you're like, see you in eight months? Like, what what happens? Uh, what happens after that?
2: Well, oh, I saw so I failed terribly here. I I say I failed terribly here. Like, I'm happy with my salary, but like, yeah, there was some back and forth there, and that was something I was not prepared for. So another good good area for people just to be aware of. Um, is I had cleared the loop. I was ecstatic. Like, it felt like it was going to be a good team. Liked my manager. Um, and then it was like, all right, now that you've cleared the loop, we're going to go ahead and start finalizing your offer and getting you something to sign. And and before, um, and I, so the advice is get something in writing before you start negotiating. Uh, it, it, and uh, I didn't do that. So I started negotiating salary because the recruiter, like, called me and was like, hey, I pad- you passed your loop. What are you thinking for salary? And I was like, well. I've done some of my research on things like levels, thought FYI and and, and like blind, blind. I don't know the blind is accurate as like levels or glass door, but I mean, it gives you a ballpark. And so I kind of had a ballpark of what I was expecting for the salary and and we went back and forth. And um, when it came down to it, like when I got that written offer, it was at the very bottom of what I was willing to accept. And I, I felt like I could have gotten more out of that conversation if I wasn't so scared of walking away from Amazon. But I was like, I was like, I've made it. This is the end of the road. This is the job that I wanted. I'm just going to take what they offer me. Um. So yeah, I, I don't think I entered that that negotiation from a very strong point because, and I think they knew it that that I was. Well, sure. I mean,
0: I mean, you're part of a you're part of a population of people that takes orders, and we've literally never. You've never thought about your compensation in the military. It's just you're part of the bracket, and when you spend more time in, the money goes up, and that's it. Like, like the only time we ever think about our pay is when Congress announces like what inflationary percentage bump we get, and like, is the beach, like is your housing allowance changing? Like, you know, we don't think about these things. And honestly, like, I completely agree with you. It's very awkward the first time you ever do it where someone's like i'll pay you x amount of money and then you have to go back and be like no pay me more money
2: (laughs) like it just and here's why you shouldn't you have to like exactly worth it
0: yeah and so for a lot of people uh, coming out of the military like that's very you don't have to be coming out of the military if you're not a confrontational person that's very weird so like it's uh i can definitely see why that's something you would have struggled with and i you're definitely not the only person who's done that so you get that offer and you sign it like
2: you accept it yes because in the end and again this is coming from the military it was way more money than i've ever made in in my life so so i, I was looking at it and going am i really going to argue about this or is this enough for me to make it do i feel like it's going to be like i'm going to feel so undervalued that i can't do the job no so yeah it was like i have a job that was that was the goal. I'm getting paid a good amount of money, and I'm working in a team that I want to work for, so it's like whatever the the rest would have been a bonus. I'm not gonna get hung up on it. I'm just taking it and so
0: yeah
1: I hadn't said no,
0: I understand that it's uh yeah, it's a uh, it is very interesting like you get it it's the compensation thing is definitely very strange, and for people who are getting ready for your transition, like understand that that's an aspect that you're gonna have to face, and uh it's very weird for us because especially if you're working in tech you can make a lot of money but most of the offers are going to be way more than they're paying you even if that offer is 100% lowballing you based off the current going rate for someone in your position um so just take the time to understand what that going rate is so that you're not just getting like lowballed uh for like because you just were getting paid e5 salary and now someone's like, here's a six figure offer, like, and you're like, I'll take it, even though you're getting screwed. So just think about that.
2: Yeah. I would just say the last thing that you want to happen there is I mean, you, you need to be educated enough that I mean it, it very rarely happens uh outside of the military, but some people do talk salary, some people talk compensation. And so the first time you're around your coworkers and you hear one of your coworkers say what, what they're making, if it's way outside the ballpark of what you're making you're going to feel super undervalued and you're going to be like, Oh, what am I doing here? These people don't respect me at all. So you you do have to have some awareness. there going into those conversations.
0: I completely agree. So for you, so you accept your offer. And so then what'd you do for the last, uh, last eight months of your, I guess, eight months of your time in the military. Do you just like do that Dave Chappelle thing where he ends up marrying Oprah and you just stop showing up to work <laughs> or like, what's the, uh, what's the what what
2: happens uh so my boss was actually really cool so i'm talking my boss both of my bosses were cool my last boss in the military and my my current boss with amazon but um was doing like bi-weeklies with my boss here at aws and we were just talking about the future and and how i could prepare and i was like hey man like we do this thing with the military called skill bridge corporate fellowship i can do up to six months uh uh, to start preparing for the role i was like, Maybe there's a way that I can give you something back for waiting so long on me. Uh, Maybe there's some way I can just start training. Uh, And so I started looking into it. Amazon only really worked with like hiring our heroes. Uh, So we're talking a three-month fellowship at that time. Um, And uh, I went ahead and, man, I feel for some of these guys that are trying to reach POCs for some of these places because like getting a hold of a person instead of just a random email is so difficult. Uh, And that's where it comes in handy just knowing the right people to talk to um, because I actually found uh, like the the AWS POCs for hiring our heroes through my current boss. He was like, hey, well, well these people here with the name is like, and then once you start talking to a regular person, it's like, oh, now I can explain my situation. I've been hired. Is there anything we could do to get a fellowship? And they were like, yeah, you don't even have to do the real hiring our heroes process. You'll automatically get selected since we've already picked you up, talk to this person at hiring the heroes. Uh, so it was it was like a back door, and then all of a sudden I was into the hiring our heroes program with an Amazon fellowship, uh, which is not the normal case. I don't and and I hate it because some people will ask me like, "Hey, how do I do a hiring our heroes with Amazon?" I'm like, man, I don't know. I I did it completely backwards. Get hired by <laughs>
0: Amazon and then go do the fellowship. That's the best <laughs> advice that I can give you.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's. I mean, it sounds funny. Yeah. But I, I do know the PSEs to get you in the right contact with. So like I had somebody reach out the other day and I put um, was able to forward the information to a hiring manager. So use the Bro Network if, if you're if you're trying for one of these positions. We can help you get in touch with the right people.
0: 100%. And yeah, that's a, that's a major call out. Like reach out to veterans. We've all been through the transition process. So we're going to help. Like we're not, we understand what you're going through. So um, make sure like, you served your country. You now have access to a group of people that no one else has access to because you have served and we respect your service. So make sure that you're leveraging that um, benefit that you've gained through because you decided to raise your hand and serve. So for you, so you do your hiring your hero, you do, the, you do your fake, fake Hiring Our Heroes uh, internship. <laughs> and uh you're rolling right into like where you were doing your c s m job as an h o h fellowship ship yes,
2: so h o h fellowship three months uh, c s m onboarding three months, so it lined up that i did literally did my three month onboarding within the hiring our heroes fellowship so that on my actual start date i started no crap working fully qualified gotcha okay um that's yeah.
1: cool, so
0: you get your you get your uh <laughs> Your last day, they give you your DD two fourteen. Uh, how many years had you been in the day? What did it What did it say on your uh, DD two fourteen? What was your number? Because if you don't know that when your DD two fourteen, a day. yeah, it gives you. If you don't know your DD two fourteen, literally gives you like exact. You know the exact number of days of service that you had, which is uh, pretty crazy. So two, twenty years in a day.
1: Yes, and so, a day. That's it.
0: Now we now I want to get into something that's uh I, I think untalked. Everything that we talked about up until now I think is pretty common. If if you listen to a podcast or you do any kind of research on what people like what you want to know about uh people are transitioning they just need to get to that finish line. They need to get that to E214. Um what I want this podcast to inform all of the listeners out there and I mean you you hear me say it all the time in every episode like there is a significant piece to this transition that exists post you getting your dd 14. So for you, Jay, you spent 20, you gave 20 years of your life to the military uh, in service to the nation doing really awesome and very, a very diverse set of cyber things for the Air Force. Um, how did it feel for you uh, like 20 years and two days later after you swear in, you're not part of that anymore? what uh what did that what was that like for you
2: i can't even like it's so hard to describe it and um i would say for me it hit a little bit earlier um before i even got out because i had built a really tight-knit group at our last unit so if you hear me say like acns like the the last place that we worked together um and that was that military brotherhood like like you're close with everybody like you, you go out on the road with these people you deploy with these people um like you, you get to know them year in, you're out. So um, for me, when I left that unit and started working uh, for the Air Force Flight Standards Agency, which was all civilian except for me, I was literally the only military uh, in my office. Uh, and we were all working from home because of COVID. So like it was, when I lost like that, that like, I, like I still like get the urge to drive to to tinker and go see uh, the the old team. And the problem is they're all gone. So again, that's the other thing that's the military that they they, PCS and they go on to the new assignments. So, um, yeah, super sad. Wow. Buzzkill. I mean, yeah, I mean, (laughs) it
0: it kind of is. But, I mean, at the end of the day, like, I think the the reason why it is so sad is because the military gives – you get a lot from the military. Like, your entire life is kind of dictated by this thing and you meet some amazing people and you get to do some really cool things and then it's all gone. And so and so much of your identity as a person is wrapped up in that whether you think it is or not it it is um and then all of a sudden like it's not that thing. Um and so what was it like for you in your first role like you're you're still public sector fixing which I think is really cool. Um so you're still doing some kind of government work but what what is what as you continue to move further and further away from your separation date what what has that transition been like for you um in turn from like just that emotional I,
2: i mean again it's 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 building connections like that's that's been really big with me in the past with my teams is like well how do i build these connections with my team and one of the cool things one of the things throughout the military that I always felt like books, the connections was going TDY was people traveling with people being on the road with them. And, and so being part of a sales team, um, that was another thing that kind of attracted me to the position is I have a core group that I'm always working with, that I'm always out on the road with. So like that has helped uh, because just, uh, I mean, I've been working with these people for like six months and there's four of us that are pretty much, if I'm on something, the other three are on something. and And it just, Building the connections within that small team it doesn't have to be military um I mean these guys and, and the biggest difference is like the age differences, so like I work with people that are like fifteen years older than me and fifteen years they're not quite fifteen years, but uh, a little bit like over ten years younger than me uh but you can still build those connections uh, and, and that's that's where it's been uh, so.
0: okay, that makes sense how have you um what What else? So I thought, I thought. I think it's really interesting that you said, like, you'll never be able to replace what the military gave you, Um, which I think is true. I completely agree with that. Um, I think that one fault that people have is they try, they think, well, my military, the military was my job. Like I was a pilot or I was a software developer or I was this. So I'm just going to get a job that is that thing. And then I'm going to find some level of, I'm going to, I'm going to replace this like thing that I'm missing, which I think is false. So how outside of your job, how do you think you, what have you done to kind of find some approximation of what you don't have anymore from the military?
2: I think you'll hear a lot of people say this and it's what you're, it's related to what you're doing right now. Uh, it's, it's, reaching out and trying to help people that are also in the process of of trying to transition out. There's a lot of people trying to learn uh, and and figure out what that next step is for them. And so while I haven't gone as far as what you're doing, I think this is amazing. Like, just like taking calls from people on LinkedIn that want to know more about, like, there are an abundance of of people interested in like, what's life like outside of the military at one of these tech companies. So like, I take those kind of calls and just talk to people about like, Hey, what, like, tell me about yourself and just, I think that helps uh, a ton, um, and, and that's what I've used uh, outside of my current job. Because yeah, I mean, I think outside of the military, you have people that Amazon is my job. Like I come, I do my job, and I'm done. I don't like and the connection piece is cool, but some people it's not. It's not for them. So,
0: yeah, that makes sense. Um, when you're having a when you're having a bad day on the job, like at Amazon, what? How, what do you use to kind of like motivate yourself or ground yourself? Because I am sorry, guys.
1: <laughs> no, you're
0: good. Hello. Hello, Jay's dog. Um, so how do you ground yourself? Because in the military, I think we had two really core principles that we could ground ourselves in. Like whenever, you know, whenever the Air Force doesn't send us to the Air Force Academy to teach, um, which is I can't leave. I've signed on. I signed on to a contract. Uh, so, like, I might not be able to just dip. And two, everything that I do in some way that is, is in service of the defense of the nation. Like, we can all do those mental gymnastics to say, like, I'm sweeping a road. I'm defending the country or whatever, whatever, like, ridiculous thing. So now, uh, not only are you not defending the nation, but you can leave whenever you want. So, like how are you what do you use to kind of ground yourself in those moments of like okay this job's not that great like or those like those moments of just
2: like i can't say that i have i've come up with a great strategy for it so far uh it's it's been a challenge and i felt it um
1: and on a related note like
2: I'll touch on that but I, and come back to this. Like in the military, like I if I really needed to get something done, like it was let's focus on getting this done because of all the things that you just said. And people buckle down and they do it. When you're in a world like, like I'm in right now with sales uh, and you're working with a customer and you're like, these people just need to get crap done. Just like do it. it, it, it you can't just tell the customer that you're working with Hey man, like you, you give me a bunch of excuses. Like you could just do this. So like having to kind of put that in that PC, uh, like, I mean, I'd say mask, but like, yeah, like I am understanding that I am now in a corporate workplace and I need to well, like chill the hell out and, and like have some patience. Um, I feel like that's the answer there is chill the hell out and have some patience. Like that's I guess like. It's, like you're in a different environment now. Just like take a breath, like understand uh, that this is not what you're used to operating in, and, and find a way through it. So it's been an exercise in patience for me.
0: I believe it. Um, have you found, have you found that it's cause I mean, you were an officer, so you were used to being like having full latitude. You're just kind of like, like the buck kind of stops with me, but I'm also going cause I mean, from the time that I knew you in the military, you were very much like, I'm going to go enforce my will on this problem until it's done. And I think that for a lot of people in the military, we we do that. Like that is a thing that you are capable of doing. And um with individuals in the military, kind of like you just said, like, there really is you really do have the ability to be like, we need to get this done, so we're gonna get it done. And like someone's like, I don't want to, and you're like, Shut up! We're get it done. Like that's the, and especially as an officer, like that's you. But now you're an individual contributor. Uh, um. So what has that transition been like for you, where you really are singularly focused in the civilian world, whereas as an officer, you really could kind of stick your nose into everything because. We never really had this like guiding purpose, so like how has that transitioned
1: been for you, where it's really like, hey, you solution stuff for customers that's it
2: so so the willing thing, like you mentioned like yeah, I pretty much could just will things into existence with with the way we uh, on the military side um I will say that happened more uh, like I tried to focus that more up. Than, than the people I manage. So it was, all right, the people I manage, I, I need to really figure out how to influence them and, and get them bought in. Uh, mm-hmm. But I didn't have a whole lot of, uh, I mean, you know this, one. I didn't have a whole lot of patience for people or blockers that were at the same level or, or above. It was like, I'm just gonna bulldoze it and, and will my way through this. That's the part that I've had to to temper on the outside is, now I have to rely back on some of those those things that I learned how to do with with like uh, my reports and, and work on that influence. But instead of influencing down, uh, one of the things I really didn't do well in the military was influencing up and um, not just being that rock <laughs> uh, or a bull in a china shop, as I was called a few times. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, it's it's figuring out how to to spend that influence in a way that gets people aligned with you. And that has been a skill that I have been focusing on picking up and refining since my time at Amazon. It's, it's so critical, especially in a sales role. Like I mentioned, I can't make my customers do anything. Like, like, It's literally like, this is in your best interest. I need to make you be aware this is where we need to go and, and provide you the resources on how to get there, but I can't make you. Uh, and so yeah, that that skill has been the most critical skill that i've had to use in this role,
0: i found it very hard sometimes in my current role because i'm now an individual contributor like i i see managerial processes and i go oh i could fix that like because that's that's just how i thought back in the day in the air force and now i'm not i'm supposed to think like very tactically and uh it's hard to pull myself out of what i was and accept this is what I am now, and so that's uh that's that's definitely something that I'm still working through as I'm working on my transition, so I'm just really curious how other people like handle 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 that
2: well, I told uh, you I had some challenges so that that was yeah, one of the challenges I, that I've ran into here at a w s yeah
0: what um what are some what are some other challenges that you feel like you've encountered? that you would want to highlight for people who are listening so they can possibly not uh, go down the same paths.
2: Okay. So um, I mentioned earlier that like my onboarding boarding time for CSM is three months. And, and um, so I walk in and I'm like three months to do what? Like, like write a few papers, put together a presentation. I could do that in like a week. Like why do you need me to take three months on this? And, and so I start knocking the things out and like, I'm not, slipping anything like I'm not I'm not just breezing through but I had done I had done a lot of research on Amazon so like leadership principles I was like got this like don't even need to worry about it like yeah check um and I had done a lot of research on my position so I knew a lot about it coming in so what was supposed to take me the first month of doing like my essay uh like first day study like <laughs> seriously like within a week I was like all right I'm done and so I had an interview uh, with my skip. During my first week, and she was like, "How are things going?" And I was like, "Well, it's slow." And she was like, "What do you mean?" I was like, "Well, your process is slow. Like, like I don't think this should take thirty days." I'm <laughs> being honest with you. I have everything you needed me to have done in my first thirty days done within a week, and um, I had like it, it just did not come across well. So so now my skip, who this is my first time talking to her, by the way, like. She she had been talking about how she she enjoyed radical candor candor, and she wanted to have the pushback. So I was like, she wants radical candor. I'm going to tell her her process is broken. (laughs) So uh, maybe not the best way to come across to your skip the first time you talk to them. Uh, And then she was like, well, I have concerns. Like now I'm concerned uh, that maybe you uh, this isn't the right role for you. Like uh, it's not like maybe you should have been looking as more of a management role because some of that came up during that discussion. And um, I was like look like i I promise you, I'm focused on the things you want me focused on. We're aligned. It's just like I did a lot of preparation for this beforehand, and i'm I'm like ready to move on to the next thing and and so she didn't believe me um so she was super concerned um and so when it came down time for like that first uh like almost like graded check during the onboarding, we call it like uh for us, it's called an AC one awesome c s m one um it was a it was a graded assignment where like I had to write like a one page narrative and talk about like uh what the CSM role was, all those things that I said I had done in a week, um, I got graded on it. Um and so I had this paper due and it was supposed to be like with my internal team and maybe my boss. Well, my skip shows up. and it's, 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 she is grilling me on it. Uh so the good thing was um I was able to answer all of her questions. I was able to prove that uh I was capable of of, of doing the job and that we were aligned. But really what I ended up finding out was her biggest concern was that she thought I was going to burn myself out. She thought like, okay, well, this guy actually did do all the work in a week. It was supposed to take a month. Do I want somebody working for me that, that isn't going to pace themselves and is going to work themselves into the ground uh, to the point where they quit? And, and, and so that's a huge concern with prior military guys, because we do that. In, in the military, we're, Like we're under-resourced we have a mission that's a no-fail mission. So it's like, you figure out how to make do with the resources you have. And so when you carry that in with you in the outside, they look at you as a risk. They're like, well, now this person is running a risk uh, of burning out and leaving us, uh, having to hire somebody new and spin them up, uh, down however many months that they spent in the And let's say I do succeed and I'm trying to just go above and beyond, I'm working weekends, I'm working evenings, uh, and I'm not saying it's like this with every team, but with my leadership, they were like, "Well, if if you're pulling that kind of weight, then I'm not resourced correctly. Maybe I need another position. And I need more headcount." Which before this year was okay. They could ask for more headcount, but um, yeah. So, so, but yeah, they looked at me as a risk, and so that was something that I had to check myself on.
0: Yeah, and I think uh, some something that I want to add to that that uh, I think that people don't think about in the military is like. Uh we are very much so not just your primary role type people. You just take whatever is given to you. Like you show up and you're you're a first line supervisor, or you show up and you're an individual contributor. You're not, you're in the military. We just get all this added stuff too. Like, You're a programmer, but you're also the facility manager, and you're also (laughs) doing PT tests, and you're also doing this. Or, like, you're an officer, but you're also the safety rep for the squadron, and you're also this, and you're also that. And we're really used to grabbing a significant amount of additional, I don't even want to say authority, but sometimes, yeah, additional authority or additional tasks. Uh, And we just feel like that's what we need to do. Um, And so something that I've really struggled with is like, someone's like, here's your job. And I'm like, this is a single threaded task. And they're like, and that's what we hired you to do. And I'm like, and so then I'm like, this can't be it. This is this literally cannot be the only thing. Like, when are you going to tell me that I'm in charge of PT testing the rest (laughs) of the consultants in the group or something like that? So um, when you're getting out for your first job, just be really aware. Like when they say they're hiring you to do this one job.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's it. Like that's, that's generally it. And, um, even if you like believe them or internalize that, it's really hard to actually believe internalize it. So just understand that that's, that's just another piece of separating your identity from like military you to like civilian, um, like, we're just used to taking and taking and taking and taking and then also telling people that their processes are busted. And uh that's uh that's just not what it is out here. And um that that takes an adjustment period. That's where that uh just kind of has to happen. So um any other any other challenges that you'd want to highlight or uh or is uh is throwing down with your skip level like the the <laughs> king of Goblin? I
2: mean that one was pretty bad. And I will say like what I'm like almost six months from, from that time now and it's just now to the point where it's like I feel like I've repaired that that relationship with my skip because I got off to such a rocky start with them. it was I do not recommend
0: <laughs> yeah yeah no that's uh, well thank you for being willing to share the story because uh, that, that really stinks and uh, I'm sure hopefully that will help some people who are making that transition like really take time to understand where they're at and find contentment in the role that they decide to get hired in and not just try to run in and break things just because like, um, yeah, I think, uh, and something that I'm interested in getting your opinion on, um, how has it been with you? getting hired into a role and you're working with other veterans too. So you can speak generally as well if you want. But so in the military, you're coming in with 20 years in a day of what I would say is very, very hard earned technical and managerial experience in the military. You get hired into a job and they're looking at you as like, you're this brand new, doesn't know what he's talking about, who has qualified for the role because you hit the requirements, but you're very unproven and people view you that way because you're in the yeah. military. Um, how have you dealt with like on one hand, like you're bringing in this, like you're, you're bringing in like a, an adult humans worth experience in one organization into this role, but you're also viewed from people in this new organization as someone who has no, idea, not necessarily has no idea what you do. But you're relatively untested. Like, how have you balanced that out?
2: You'd have to put the pride aside. Like, uh, it was it it was uh, it was a challenge because, I mean, coming from some of the other roles I was in, like I was like I was an Air Force level subject matter expert in some of the things I did. Like, people looked at me from different organizations as like this is the person I go to. So, I was used to kind of people treating me like I knew what I was doing. <laughs> To it all on. So to, to get to where I am, now, I mean, yes, the assumption at Amazon is you know what you're doing, but you just hit on it. It's like, but you're military. So do the, the things that you've done, do they really translate to what we're doing here? Like, uh, and it's more like, okay, show me. It, and, and that's really been my answer. It's like, okay, like I, I already told you, like, I didn't feel like the job was like something that I couldn't do. It was, all right, I just got to put my head down and do it and I'll let the results be. And and that's really what it was is like you swallow your fried and your results just speak for themselves. And that's kind of how I dug myself out of the hole. Like with my skip, was once they saw my work, then uh, they were like, "Okay, I can depend on this person." And, and kind of pulled back a little. Um, so I would definitely just say, speak with the results. Like,
0: yeah. What? Um, one more one more question. One question I'm really interested in is. Um, so you talked earlier about interacting with people getting out of the military, really getting back um as a means of pursuing like having ties back to your military identity and giving yourself some kind of like purpose post transition um Are there any other things that you feel like you've done well in your life holistically outside of Amazon that have really helped you? um move through this transition.
2: Oh. I will say so I had um I'm sure a lot of people will feel this. Um I had a huge motivation to try to go ahead and pick up and, and move and uh household to a different place because this is where we've been from my last military assignment and, and that's one of the things I've put off. Um because I did want to make sure that I had time to adjust to the new job before I started uprooting the whole family and putting them in a new place and and and, and uh, i mean it's small but i would say like putting just putting that one on hold and going all right i'm gonna learn the new job first i'm gonna get comfortable in that and then i'll worry about it. And maybe moving in getting settled in somewhere else like it's not a challenge everybody will run into because i mean not everybody will work remote but it is something that i've found to be helpful
0: yeah no i think that's awesome and i i on the flip side of that i got hired at amazon and then my wife pcs two months later to california so hmm. like i Ooh. the whole change and uh that was rough. Like, cause not only did I work from home, but I didn't know anybody. So I would just be in my house. Like I haven't spoken to anyone this week, except for mm-hmm. my wife yeah, and my dog and my dog doesn't even talk back to me. So that's uh which means I only talk to one person. <laughs> uh, so that's uh so yeah, no, I definitely, and it took a while to build up community for me, go out and find friends that um, I enjoy spending time with. Like it's uh it's rough. So I think that's great. I honestly think that that's great advice. Like not everything has to change at once and it probably shouldn't.
1: So, um, yeah.
0: So something that, uh, something that i like to ask everybody, um, you kind of are experiencing all of these emotions post transition. Um, what do you think for people who are getting out or going to get out, What would you tell them they should do to prepare for that just,
1: like, emotional, like, gut punch of not being in the military
2: anymore? It's, I mean, it's it's a lot of what you just said. It's, It's building up that community. Like, don't let the military be the only thing in your life. Uh, it, up to the point where when you get out there, there's nothing. So I think it comes down to to the preparation piece. Like for me, I was focused a lot on those things that I mentioned earlier. Uh, and, and another piece of that is also preparing yourself on the outside. Like, luckily I've been here for six years. Like, so I had a little bit of a system outside of, of the air force and the military to come back to, uh, when, when I made that jump, uh, so it's i mean get yourself involved in in some other social things It doesn't have to be uh focused on making the transition. it's just get out there it, it, get involved in some different activities that will be there once the military's not it, it, so that hey, you're not just turning everything off all.
0: yeah no i I completely agree. I think that that's uh that's great advice um what would you have to tell yourself? What would that be two years ago? So, 18 months before your transition, what would you of today have to tell 18 months ago uh, to prep? Like, for you back then to believe, like, hey, you're going
1: to feel something and you need to be ready for it. I did not know. Like,
2: I don't know that it would have taken me a lot of... like I've I valued that so much like that time throughout my career like i always knew that the people were the reason i was there um but as far as preparing for what it was going to feel like when it was gone like i don't know what i could have told myself on honestly Cause it it's just yeah i'm sorry i don't have a better answer for that but it was it was not no, like I, anything i felt before
0: yeah i uh i don't think i mean like it no one's really had a good answer yet. So uh, it's a, it's a hard question. It's a very hard
1: question. <laughs> yeah.
0: I'm hoping that uh I'm hoping that people will hear that enough on the pod that uh it starts to sink in. But I agree. Like if someone would have told me, hey, Billy, um if someone had told me in January of twenty twenty one, hey, January twenty twenty two, it's gonna be a wrap for you and uh you're not gonna be in the military anymore and you're gonna feel real bad about it. Um I've been like I'll be fine. And then if someone would have said, "Hey, you would have transitioned really well and you got a job at AWS and you're going to make money and you're still going to feel really bad about it." <laughs> then I would have been like, "You're crazy, but uh here I am." So, uh yeah, I think I think the thing to to kind of impress people is even if you crush this transition, like you're still going to experience this thing. It's The thing is, the loss is completely devoid of your ability to transition well. It's going to happen, and you have to understand that. And um, you might not be able to prepare for it, but at least you know it'll happen. So when you transition out and you go, I don't have to move anymore. I'm making good money. I don't have to deploy. I'm not doing any of my dumb military things anymore. But I'm still sad. Why am I sad? Uh, I think you might be able to have an answer
2: for it, which I think is which I think is good. And um, one of the things I've, I've considered doing on that part, just mm-hmm. to hurry up and throw in is. Oh, no, um, please. It the, it was that mentorship and, and, and the teaching. So, you, you, I mean, you were an instructor during your career. That's a huge piece to try to fill, especially when you're in an IC role and you don't do that anymore, is, is being able to mentor people that are new to the job, people that are new to the Air Force. Like, I loved that part of my job and, and like, One of the things I've considered doing, and I've actually reached out here locally, is to start adjuncting at a local university to try to get some of that teaching and mentoring back. It's definitely not going to be about the money, Um, but uh, yeah, to try to find some time to do that. Uh, The challenge is finding the time, Um, but it it has been something that I've considered and and kind of started to um, explore.
0: That's awesome. Well, good luck. I hope you. uh, I hope you find a role that uh, fits what you're looking for. Um, So, last question and then I'll, then I'll let you go. Any save rounds. What would be your final
1: piece of advice to anybody transitioning out of the military? If you tell them one thing, what would it be?
2: Talk to people in the roles that you're interested or that you seek you're interested in, because you might not be. Like, you might have heard that this, this role is cool. You might have read about it uh, because job descriptions sound cool on the internet talk to somebody that's actually doing it in a company or organization that you're interested in working with to figure out what life is like in that position, to really understand how your skills align to it, to make sure you're applying for the right job, but then also to make sure it's a good fit for you. Because I had several of the, those conversations over that, that period of time uh, when I found out I was going to be leaving the military to when I actually did, where I, I had former military members, some not military members kind of help guide me and what I was looking for to help zero in on the kind of roles that I really did want to work in.
0: That's awesome. Well, thanks, Jay. Thanks so much for coming on. Uh, Everybody out there. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the post-military podcast. And uh, we will see all of you on the next one. Peace.